started on 095. Oh, yeah, I'm very ready. Very ready. You got any, uh, got any pop songs for us for 095? Any charts? Oh, shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording whenever Gangs you guys Paradise. Oh, my Number goodness. one song of 95. It is. Water... Waterfalls and Creek. TLC with two TLC out of had that. That was their year. I don't, I don't remember Take a Bow by Madonna. What is that? It's like, Take a Bow. Dun, dun. It's like something is over. Take a Bow. Yeah. It's. The night is over. I think we've started. Kiss from a Rose, though. I, I think we've started recording Holy this episode, shit. and it's the softest opening we've ever done. I yeah. don't think anybody really acknowledged that we started, but we started. This is mm. episode 095. We're just talking a little bit about the pop hits of 95 because apparently that's, that's something we do now that we're in the 90s. I think, I think it's fun. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's right. a, little, a nice way for us to break the ice and just yeah. get into this. And Yeah. Let's, let's go down some ones. Uh, so we, we said some of them Gangsta's Paradise, Waterfalls, Creep. Kiss from a Rose, one of my favorite songs, man. Mm-hmm. Of 95 or of all time? Of all, or of the 90s? Of all time, Or man. of years that end in five? And it was from Batman Forever, right? Yes. So if this, if we did our, you know, what we did last week, the 1994, if we did that for 1995... That We'd obviously have, know that's one of your picks. We know picks. one of your picks mm-hmm. would have been... Uh, picks, yeah. <laughs> that definitely would have been a pick. Yeah, no, I like that song too. Uh, On Bended Knee by Boys the Men. Oh, Boys the Men. Oh, Fantasy by Mariah Carey. The remix of Fantasy with ODB. Whew. Good stuff. It's a great song. Uh, take a Bow by Madonna. Don't Take It Personal. Take a Bow. Monica. Isn't that it? Listen, yeah, isn't it sung in that kind of... I don't, I don't know the second line yeah. of that chorus. <laughs> We've been trying to figure this out. Bombastic by Shaggy. Man, these were some great songs. Candy Rain by Soul For Real. I don't know if you know that song. Great song. Let Her Cry by Hootie and the Blowfish. Hmm, so some not-so-great ones as well. Yeah. And number 95 is The Colors Pretenders, the I'll Stand By You. Yeah, Stand By You. <laughs> I love that song. At the bottom of the top 100. Yeah. yeah. Vanessa Williams. Well, there's another of one the of your soundtrack picks for 95. I, I would have picked that. Pocahontas. I would have picked the shit out of that. <laughs> that was a great song. Vanessa Williams, man, she's very versatile. Playboy. Singing TV, a song, music, Disney. <laughs> Go from Playboy to Disney. Ugly Betty, standing there naked, singing in front of a microphone, <laughs> acting. This is what you call a uh, what do they call that? A, a polymorph, a, um, a hyphenate. <laughs> okay. So yeah, those are some of the big songs. Yeah, of ninety five. Yeah. Nothing to do with our podcast. Nothing at all. But to our, do. it's kind of our, become our thing that we do now. Yeah, especially which I'm in, okay with. No, in the nineties, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Some big digital Some releases, perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Movie releases came out. Uh, Prisoners, digital release. In in not in nineteen ninety five. No, not. No, in we're, 95. we're back like, to present. Yeah. Back to present. Fast and Fast and Furious six. Rest in peace, Paul Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, Elysium. Have you noticed? You know, I finally saw that, and I, I did like it. Right, I right, did. It was I did. so good. Would you? But I didn't love, but I did. Yeah, like right, it. right, right, right. Yeah. It's it's still a beautiful. It's a beautiful movie for what it is. I was very surprised at how mesmerized I was by some of the travel between right. the planets. Um, what about the accent of uh, Jodie Foster? <sighs> weird. It 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 was very weird, and it was kind of in and out too. Yeah. Wasn't it supposed it was, to be some kind of new? I mean, it's supposed yeah, yeah. to represent so it's, like this. It's this supposed m- to be a hybrid of a bunch of things, merged okay. accent, just like Jaden Smith's accent in After Earth. Yeah. Just which like I it. finally saw. Mm-hmm. Wow, was that it bad? It's horrible. Really? Was that bad? <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. Yeah. Holy it makes it makes me like it makes me worried about. 
this whole well, sci-fi well, genre. Well, sci-fi in its newness to Ronald. Yeah. Uh, here's the problem, Steve. <laughs> um, a genre like sci-fi gets started out of the gate with a movie like Oblivion that we all sort of agreed had <laughs> yeah, its high points. Yeah, and then the next thing you know, After Earth comes around to hobble it. So I didn't know. the question I have for you guys is, does sci-fi have staying power? Is it going to stick around? This, I don't know. Yeah. This new genre of movie. Is it, it I didn't know, at this point. I didn't know Oblivion was a graphic novel. I didn't either. Yeah, I just found that out. So I looked up comic book movies of 2013, and that was listed. Is Will Smith still a movie star? What? I, I man, I That's I told someone years ago that I didn't think he had good choices in movies. I said this like a long time ago, and nobody believed me. And now it's it's like my my guess my 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 thought is well for a while he did seem to be making good choices at least commercially he was one of those oh, yeah. super bankable guys but oh, it, it's, guy. it's true it's like a while since he's had i mean he, i would be interested to see like his trajectory compared to someone like tom cruise or someone like that who we've seen kind of go away and come back a couple times like right. has will smith is he just in sort of a fallow period right now yeah. or is right. he is has he kind of lost he should have taken ground. Django. That's what you're, I mean. Like not to be a dick, but the, well, like I would say he should have taken something. The fact that he didn't take Django speaks ill of his choices. That, yeah. You know what I mean? Like not to say that he would have to take that part, but the fact that his reasons for not taking that role were that <laughs> that it didn't it wasn't a like a a dominant enough character. He didn't like the fact that Django kind of hung back and was was yeah. sort of you know played a long game in the movie. He wanted him to be more of a powerful character from the get go, and I think that that speaks to. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that might be why he's not taking on some of these more interesting roles and doing yeah. some of these movies that he don't needs, seem that. He needs to take some more challenging unique. stuff. He needs to take something that challenges your idea about who he is. Yeah, I mean, he really hasn't done a lot in in the past like five years. No, and and of the what he's done, Men in Black was the only like hit, and obviously that's a property that he's had two movies in the last five years that w- were not Men in Black three. Yeah, and both of them were. It's a pro- it's a problem when Tom Cruise is outdoing you. I think Tom Cruise it, is great. Uh, Tom Cruise is killing. He's killing it. But what I mean, but he's is had like, bombs too. Oh but, sure, but sure. Like, is what, what I'm I mean, saying, like, like you know, I totally Will agree. Smith's agree momentum. You. I'm talking about Will Smith's momentum. What he had, the momentum, he could have kept that. But Tom Cruise is like creeping back up in my in my list of, of like fa- he was always one of my favorites. Yeah. I thought really he was going to keep that shit going for a thousand years and make this the Willennium, but it didn't <laughs> yeah. it didn't pan out Apparently that way. Not. Yeah. Apparently not. He needs something challenging. He just Some- needs to make Bad Boys Three. He'll be right back on the map. You think so? <laughs> With a sequel though, yeah. It's funny that you say <laughs> Mad- it. it's funny that you, you know say what? Men in Black Three though because I was thinking yeah maybe that was the last movie I saw him in and it was you know he was fine in it yeah. it was it was what it is it was it's a Men in Black sequel Man. yeah. He needs to make a movie with Bradley Cooper. I know that sounds weird. I, I'm okay with he it. He needs something, man. He needs like a funny movie with Bradley Cooper. Action, cop movie. But you're right. Bradley he needs Cooper. to do something that surprises our yeah. impression of him a little bit. Really? Or he's going to turn into like Harrison Ford or someone like that who years later it will seem like there was a point where they just yeah. stopped being that interesting. And I do think that it, it you you feel the same thing on a Tom Cruise movie, but there is something about Tom Cruise's choices, everything from Magnolia to, I mean, even though I didn't see it, Rock of Ages, things like that, where he mm. is stepping outside of what seems like a comfortable place for him. Yeah. Over, the, over time, I don't think, I mean, I can't think of a time when Will Smith has really, maybe Pursuit of Happiness was supposed to be that he's taken on some roles that aren't, aren't you know, the action hero type roles. But right. I feel like he's still always played a certain... Like type of character. I I I think like Tom Cruise, for example, I don't think not no insult to to Brad Pitt, I don't think he would have taken a World War Z type of movie. But he would have taken a zombie movie that had a different sort of 
twist to it. I don't know. Like, I think that he's smarter about... He's... Like, when I saw Oblivion, I was like, oh, Tom Cruise in the future. Then I started watching. I'm like, oh, you smart bitch. Mm -hmm. It has, like, a weird little thing. It's like... Did you see the trailer for his new... Yes, I did. It feels like Elysium mixed with Oblivion. Groundhog Day. (laughs) (laughs) Mixed with Groundhog Day. Yeah, it does. But it's funny to see, like, it's sort of... Post Oblivion reminds me of Elysium. Yeah, definitely has a Groundhog Day ish <laughs> slant to it. But it's still, I'm interested to see what the, what that movie what cool it's really trailer. about. What if, what if know? someone cool literally pitched the movie like that? Like uh, I think that's how they Oblivion get pitched. That, that's Elysium. how they make millions oh, I'm of dollars. Sure. And somebody's like, "Holy well, shit!" Well, let's when do you're it. doing that, I mean, that's the reference point you go after. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. what do you remember about Groundhog's Day, yeah. or what do you remember visually about Elysium? And I mean, all joking yeah. aside, if you said that immediately you have something going in your head yeah. that would mm-hmm. at least put it in a framework where if you're in a pitch meeting, they filled in that blank, you know? Oh, I yeah. mean, as ridiculous as it sounds, I mean, I oh, totally yeah. agree with pitch it. Pitch meetings, it's, I it's, imagine. I'm sure well, I mean, like, I, the example that jumped into my mind just now is that supposedly <coughs> the pitch for, for Lost was basically just a, a, a fiction version of Survivor. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard the same. Which is like, sounds like such a terrible, I mean, that's yeah. such a terrible inspiration for a story that took on so many other levels. Let's not talk about Oh, yeah. Where it went necessarily, magic glowing caves and everything. But um, I do think that you can, yeah, you can sometimes look at the inception of an idea and see that, and it, it could have started with like a really dumb. This might be marketable idea. It doesn't mean it doesn't get turned into something more interesting. But right, no, no right, doubt, right. someone saying this movie plus this movie minus this element plus this. You know, like there's, there's that used to be the old joke. In fact, of like it's Pretty Woman meets the Warriors. You know, like. <laughs> And that someone would be like, "All right, yeah. all right, I can see Let's that. I can it. see that." You know, actually, I would Let's watch that. Let's do it. Yeah, so that's interesting. It was you who pitched that, wasn't it? It's called Pretty Warriors. <laughs> yeah, Pretty Warriors. Yeah, I'd watch that movie. I know, but you I, don't know, I was just curious what you guys thought. I, I know that's a, a no. Aside. It's interesting like, that you said the Will that. Smith thing's been on my mind recently because I've been I've seen a lot of random interviews with him recently, and like I feel like this awkward thing whenever he's interviewed, like he's always like pushing his kids. Yeah. Like he's always talking yeah. about Jaden and what uh, Willow and which is awesome, you know. It's, it's, the, he's it's the father, really cool. whatever. That's cool. He's like trying to get these kids a career, and that's that's fine. But I feel like you know he at one point absolutely was like the movie star, the most bankable in terms of box office return for a good like five years. Mm-hmm. You know, two thousand three. Like he owned July Fourth weekend absolutely for a while, absolutely. And yeah. I've just recently been thinking about it, and it's just like. What? Where's Will Smith? I mean, where's well, he been? Not to keep comparing him to Tom Cruise, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, because it does seem like it's a it's a valid comparison because of the type of leading man that they, that they represent. Yeah. And there's the Scientology connection. And yeah. there's the sort of... They both seem like they have this force of personality around them that they're extremely like positive and very controlled in the image that they put forth. Yeah. And I do yeah. think you're right. It, it's Will Smith. It seems like it's shifted towards hyping the projects his kid is in and also talking about like his child-rearing philosophy. Yeah. And there's been a lot of that stuff that, again, puts him into that, once again, Tom Cruise-y zone of seeming kind of kooky. Yeah. Uh, let's not forget a few years ago, Tom Cruise was jumping up on the couch on Oprah and doing his little, little dance. So, yeah. I mean, m- maybe... Maybe Will Smith is just kind of going through like a milder version of that same period where his it, the movies aren't really hitting, and what you do think about when you think about him is some of the more wacky personal stuff rather yeah. than like what was the last good movie, great Jesus movie he was Christ. in. Yeah, right. I mean, because the guy can act. I mean, he clearly yeah, has definitely. what it takes. His to, career isn't I miss over. Him. Yeah, I miss, I miss him. him too. He he he's not over. His his career isn't done. He just needs to make something that challenges our ideas because he's he's almost literally the same person every time. Mm-hmm. And and I think that comes from a lot of things. I think that so somebody asked Denzel Washington one time why he chose the roles that he chose 
And I guess the idea is like, you could be this or you could be a terrible version of like whatever they see you as, like a the shitty, terrible version of like this black character like mm. like you're gonna be this stereotypical mm-hmm. he chooses these really powerful roles like these leading roles i see why will smith does it i see why people do it but like man do something a little different yeah mm-hmm. just a teeny bit even denzel did some different shit sometimes yeah. man yeah so looking ahead i do see bad boys three i don't know he's not that- confirmed for that but i mean that's a sequel that i would see but then i also see hancock too which, is, which oh, makes man. me worry. Scrap that. <laughs> yeah. Scrap that project. I hate it. Well, just get back on track, man. We just want to see you in, in good stuff again. Please, soon. I felt like 15 people wrote that movie. I said mm-hmm. that right after I saw it. And it turns out that the project was thrown around so many times that right. it was pretty much... Oh, Hancock? Yeah. It definitely had that feeling of like a yeah. movie that had had five different tones that yeah. it was trying to yeah. hit. It's know? like that game It's like that game where you whisper something to somebody mm-hmm. on telephone, telephone, and then at the yeah. end it's like, the first the, thing is yeah, like, the, the, the man went across the street, and at the end it's like, the donkey fucked the boy. Or is like, it, like, what is it, like, like exquisite corpse where you tell a story and you only know what the person in front of you, like the, what yeah. they added, and then you yeah. add to that, and then someone comes behind yeah, you. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. It's awful, it's awful. Well, I know we're going to talk about a big recent release, uh, mm. but before we get to that, anybody see anything recently that's worth mentioning? Um, I saw this documentary called The Institute mm-hmm. about a, a institute <laughs> that exists <Aptly> titled, <laughs> well, there you go. in California, and it's like should have stopped there. <laughs> <laughs> right? There's these flyers that were uh, randomly around uh, Los Angeles, and um, it was basically like come to this place and see what see what we're about, and it's. It's about these like Tesla core uh, inventions and all these really futuristic things. So when they, uh, the people come there, I can't tell if it's a real thing or not. Mm-hmm. They come to the place and they realize that it's kind of a culty sort of thing. And uh, these people that they call um, nonchalantists, mm-hmm. where basically like your point of view should be that like everything is everything and enjoy it. Don't overthink it. Love life. Mm-hmm. And the character that they concentrate on is a, a leader that is perceived as a fake uh, nonchalantist. And they're talking about kind of overthrowing this guy during the course of the movie. And it's it's really cool. Um, is it? It's a documentary? or It's a documentary. Oh, that sounds crazy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's bonkers. Awesome. Steve? I saw very different types of films, so take your pick. First is a documentary called Artifact. It's a music documentary about the music business. Uh, anybody familiar with 30 Seconds to Mars, oh. uh, which is Jared Leto's rock musician project band supergroup. Have you seen his new video? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's really great. Um, the, the documentary is something that's been made for a while. It basically takes place a few years ago when the band was having label troubles with their label, um, EMI. <clears throat> basically, the band was being sued for $30 million. And mm. the, the documentary is just basically about their battle with the label in the process of making an album which is the album that came out known as This Is War. Really cool. I'm not a huge 30 Seconds to Mars fan. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I do like Jared Leto. I actually really enjoyed him most recently in Dallas Buyers Club. But the documentaries are really cool, just insight. Granted, it's one side of a story. But the interesting thing is that they have a lot of interviews with former executives at the label at that time, which is giving you a little more of the other side of the story. So kind of very introspective and, you know, the, the side of the artist and coming from a music background and seeing, like, the... the, the activity that I never experienced with a label mm-hmm. with my band and just how deep artists are in terms of debt to labels. Um, even an artist like, like 30 seconds of Mars who, but I, I didn't even realize how huge they were worldwide. 
like multi multi platinum artists worldwide on, on all of their albums, um, and still be being in so much debt. It's really cool. Um, it's it's on demand on video on demand and iTunes right now. It's called Artifact. Next film is called Contracted, which is like a horror, mm. horror a horror film about a girl who has a one night stand and catches a, an STD that basically turns her into a zombie what? type being. Yeah, I read about this. Kind of a cool movie. Um, the last the, the last twenty minutes it falls apart, uh, in mm. my opinion. But very interesting because the girl no, it fall, or she falls apart. Uh, both. At oh, the same the, time. oh yeah. Yeah, both at the same time. Um, she, I mean, this is a lesbian in the film, and she has this one night stand. Not interested. Yeah, turns you off immediately. <laughs> I, I'm not into those um, kind of alternate lifestyles. She gets drunk, you know, or what? Something happens, and um, she basically has this one night stand, and slowly begins to realize that um, she contracted something. Oh wow! Uh, interesting. It's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Some of the some of the settings or some of the set pieces are really fun. Like just, and I don't know what the budget was in the movie, but some of the actual visual effects, like with the practical stuff with her body. You know, the rashes and the skin and, like, you know, uh, maggots kind of just, like, falling out of her teeth. Oof. Like, it's kind of some cool visuals. Oh, wow. Um, if you like the horror genre, I would check it out. But, yeah, that's all. That's what I got. Mm. I, saw, I saw a couple of movies that um, might pop up on my year-end best list. Uh, and also, I would imagine we might talk about them at some point in the future. But the things they share in common are that they both feature great performances from 77-year-old iconic actors i saw robert redford in all is lost and i saw bruce stern in nebraska and in both cases i thought you know how before we were talking about 12 years a slave and i said if chuatel edufor doesn't get best actor Mm. there's something wrong i might have to walk back on that statement just Mm. a little bit because although i think that that performance carries its own power for other reasons aside Mm. even from the 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 feat of acting but it's it was i mean it's that impressive I i would say particularly Bruce Dern playing this, I mean, there's just, you, you can't fake, it's like, you know, playing drunk is hard to do. Like, yeah. I think playing senile is hard to do. I think people end up doing almost like a caricature at yeah. times. But to see someone actually do that, they're lucid at moments, and you think they're listening, and then you say something, and then they say, what? Yeah. You know, it's like, there's that can be played for laughs, and so often it is in movies, but in this movie, it really felt like I was watching a real guy who was going mm. through this this situation. And I read somewhere that Bruce Stern said that in order to be disoriented on set, he he popped his hearing aids out when they were filming. Wow. And that it gave him just the right amount of not responding to the subtle cues of things around him and stuff. It just made him disoriented enough that he could do it. But either way, I mean, there's moments where the camera's just lingering on his face and, uh, and you just believe this character. I, I mean, I can't say... It, you know from the trailer, if you've seen it, what the basic plot is, yeah. that the man, the old man has gotten a, a, one of those sweepstakes letters that says you may have already won a million dollars. And he, rather than, he doesn't want to trust the postal system to send him the check, so he doesn't <laughs> want to send the, the form back. He wants to go to the address that's in there and, you know, collect his million yeah. dollars. And it's kind of a delusional character, and the movie Duff's play it, uh, you know, as a joke at times, but the the undercurrent in the movie is is very... Uh, just poignant. I mean, if you've seen Alexander Payne's movies, you know that he can do that that mixture of comedy and drama, and he can make it really kind of kind of hit hard and at times. Bruce Stern, the character he plays, is kind of a mystery to people around him just because he doesn't talk that much. Right. And you get the sense as you go along, his son is learning things about him that he's never heard, and you know that kind of movie can't help but make you think about your own life and your relationship. And I, as you know, I've, having lost my dad this year, I realized that I'll never have to deal with my dad in that senile state but then i had this weird flash it's like wait a minute i'm somebody's old man 
you know, if if I'm lucky to live to be 80 years old, Henry's yeah. going to be dragging my sorry ass around, <laughs> and t- you know, and taking me on crazy little road trips and stuff. So in that sense, it's just, it's hard not to kind of feel for this very real character. There's definitely some some comedy in the movie that comes from characters that are a little more broad than that. Um, I would say second to uh, Bruce Stern, you know, Will Forte is doing a great job, but June Squibb as the as Bruce Stern's wife and Will Forte's mom is great. I mean, she plays a character who you think you have pegged, and then as the movie goes along, you learn more about her, and she's got greater depths. And Bob Odenkirk plays uh, Will Forte's older brother, who small part in the movie, but really makes an impression. And there's some great scenes with the four of them together as a family that just feel so warm and real and funny and, and sad, just like real... Real families feel, you know, so mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend it. And then back to uh, All is Lost, just, I mean, what can I say? You, if you know anything about it, you know basically what the movie is. But it's sort of like gravity minus space. Mm. And in that sense, you take away some of the other things that bugged me about gravity. The, you know, like the the backstory, and I didn't particularly like Sandra Bullock's, like, daughter. I mean, you know, it didn't hurt the movie necessarily, but I did find myself saying... Yeah. Uh, what would this movie be like if it didn't have those elements in it? And All Is Lost is like that. I mean, it's literally stripped of, of, um, and any anything that would give you a particular like the details about this character that you're following. All you know about him is that he's a man who's in a boat. You know, you don't you don't ever find out his name. You don't ever find out if his if he's married or has kids or grandkids. Wow. You get the suggestion. There's a moment where you you hear at the very beginning a letter that he's written. That sounds like it was written at the end of this ordeal. That seems to be like a letter to his family in case someone finds it. And that does sound in there like he's got a family somewhere that might be worried about him. But outside of that, you don't have any indications. It all comes through Robert Redford's performance and his face, you know. Yeah. And his face qualifies as a special effect at this point. It's so <laughs> leathery and, and, and weather-beaten. But, I mean, he is in every frame of this movie. And there's almost no dialogue. And it's all about action and... You know, maybe in the balance of things, it could be a little shorter. It could be 10 or 15 minutes shorter and would still be as powerful. But I never felt bored when I was watching it. What I thought of today is it's kind of like, imagine if it was the last two hours of Titanic, but with just one person. You know, so it's basically just water, opening scene, water starts rushing into the sailboat. And then it's, how do you deal with this? And then how do you deal with this and this and this? One of the things it shares with Nebraska, aside from 77-year-old, just masterful acting, is... uh, there's both movies have a really cathartic fuck. Both movies have, I think, one scene where someone says fuck, mm. and in both cases, it's a very, a very <laughs> cathartic thing. I saw Captain Phillips. Did I tell you that? Did the last fifteen minutes not like rock your world? Yeah, it was. The thing, the thing about that is, I, when I when I saw the movie, I didn't look at these guys as villains. The way that I mean, because of the the story that it set up and the circumstances that they. They came to do everything. You could tell when they came onto the boat that although they 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 had guns and and things were the way they were, that like some of them had really good intentions. The intention was to get what they wanted and leave. And really, that's that was the leader's idea too. But it just got really crazy. And yeah, the the last fifteen minutes are some of the most intense standoff sort of moments i've seen like it it just felt very real i felt like i was involved i felt absolutely involved and tom hanks's face mm-hmm. changes so much like it gets to a point where it reminded me of uh heart candy is one of the weirdest movies in terms of the the shifts in in psychology like right. it happens like there's one scene in heart candy where i feel like power shifts like five times mm-hmm. 
there are scenes in this movie where it shifts so much, like where you can see the desperation in the guy's eyes, the the Somali pirate, and then Tom Hanks's, and then you, you you he's trying to find these little holes where he can try to reach them in some way or leave or like it it gets really intense and 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 it's not one of those movies where you say where you would say I would do this if that happened. There's no fucking way that you would try to fight. Two ki- two kids with AK forty sevens. That's yeah. just not happening. You're not gonna you're gonna get shot up. Mm-hmm. And Tom Hanks handles it the way that the bravest human being that could be in that circumstance could, and he wasn't that brave. So yeah. it was nice. It was it felt real. It felt very real. So is Tom Hanks having a good year then? He's having an incredible I think year. he's having a great year. I mean, I yeah. think Captain Phillips is one of his best performances. I mean, I love Tom Hanks. Yeah. Like <clears throat> one of my all time favorites and makes me say what Atlas? Yeah. <laughs> did you notice something about his character though like although he was in these positions he literally said what he felt at any given moment he's like yeah 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 you, you need to you need to think this all over again like you I, did, I, it's I think, very weird i think he, the really cool thing about the performance and i never i you know i knew the story i never you know i didn't read the memoir that's based on or really have a lot of the details so i was actually kind of learning experiencing as i watched it right, but same. A lot of like his facial expressions, you really just like could tell as he was saying one thing, he was thinking something else. <laughs> yeah. Like he was saying what he knew they needed to hear, but in the back of his mind, he's thinking like, I need to make sure that the guys that are do- hiding downstairs hear me coming or like I, I need to make a noise or drop something so they yeah. hear me, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And like the last 15 minutes, I don't know that I've ever been, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies of the year and I wish we could have talked about it more on this podcast, but the last 15 minutes, I don't know that I've ever been emotionally like as like just strung out mm-hmm. when when that movie climaxes. Oh man, as, as I was, you the, know, and the, not just and hold on, and, and not, not just like you know, I, I've said before, like super, I get emotional at movies, like I've cried many movies, like mm-hmm. that's sad. This was like an experience emotionally that I don't know that I've experienced in a long time. In movies, I wasn't sad. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't sadness. It was like my nerves were just like like wrung out like i had nothing left like because it's so tense like every every moving part of the last 15 minutes of that movie with captain phillips the somali pirates the navy the navy seals or or whatever they you know the marines i think it was the marines that came in um just everything moving and 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 paul greengrass does a great job in the last 15 minutes where he keeps you updated with each piece of that machine that's happening Mm -hmm. and that one moment where they get the shot, you know, and it just happens. I mean, I just was like, my body just like sunk down in the seat. Like yeah. I, I never. It's weird that a movie can do that when you know what's going to happen. Yeah, but you don't know exactly how it's going to happen, and exactly. your nerves get so tight because you. I guess especially with someone like Paul Greengrass, who does, even though he's sort of influenced. I mean, that whole shaky cam yeah, fight yeah, style. Yeah. I always thought he did a good job. Like he used it to with a with a point yeah which is to like put you in the moment and so i can imagine his his technique applied to that type of story it must, it must be almost unbearable to, to deal with like the, i mean the, the, don't that, they end up on a on like a very small that's it. life raft like, at the end or well, like well a, yeah they're in like an escape like little boat that comes a off droid of the, escape pod like, yeah, yeah, escape pod. it's yeah. so tight in there the, the crazy thing oh. the the two crazy things i i thought man when all right so you <laughs> obviously know that they get away like he gets yes. he because I've he seen was, him on the news he talking survived, about the movie. He survives. <laughs> but the part Not just where, Tom Hanks, I mean the guy. Yeah. yeah, his body's getting checked and he's crying uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. I could not help but feel like, man, this 
it was weird because like a shitty director would have just glossed over that moment. Mm-hmm. But that's a real thing. Like you don't think about that after you've had something insane, like a car accident happen. How emotionally broken you are for that that little piece of time. Mm-hmm. Right after where people that you don't know are comforting you. They're telling you to calm down. They're checking your body. And you're like, what about my family? Yeah. What the fuck is... Seeing Have him you react- been in a wreck? Because what you just described is very accurate, too. Yeah. I, uh, I was in a pretty bad wreck with when Henry was like yeah. a year... Like, you know, Nikki swerved to miss a dog and like flipped the Volvo like yeah. three times with all three of us in the car. It was... She didn't do it on purpose. I didn't mean to make it sound like that. But I just mean what you just described is very accurate to the fact that I like... I like literally checked Henry, like squeezed his arms and his legs and his head to make sure he wasn't crushed in any way. And I was like, Nikki, where are you? And I could hear her saying, where's my baby? You know I mean? It was a fucked up situation. And then I had this like, (sighs) that's like, you you have this adrenaline. That's what it is. And then everyone comes around and they lay you down on a gurney and they ask me if I had done something to my back. And I said, I think maybe I did. So then they, then they laid me flat and had me strapped. I wish I hadn't said that was something might've happened to my back because, because I said that, I had to like go to the little small uh, town emergency room and I was strapped to the table and I started getting claustrophobic. And then once the adrenaline went away, the pain kicked in. Yeah. And that's when I had my sort of breakdown moment, which was like yeah. after that. But you're right that it's like... Same thing. It's, it's like an emotion. There's a connection between your physicality and your emotions. It's like it's it's, it's like an animal thing. state of, of excitement. That's, that's I, yeah. I got into a really bad car. I almost died in a car accident. I mean, Yikes. like I really bad. I couldn't breathe on my own after it happened. Mm-hmm. So... You know how you, you, like, get hit and you're like, I can't breathe? I couldn't say I couldn't breathe. And that's how I knew I couldn't breathe. Yeah. When you can say I, can, I can't breathe, mm-hmm. you can breathe. Yeah. So I was like, I, I couldn't uh. breathe. I'm reaching. And I was in the car with my girlfriend. My wrist is sideways. It's like in an L, like my, in an L shape. And I'm, like, reaching. And I, like, faint. And they woke me up. And the, the, the fireman was like, you almost died. And I was like, Oh, where's my mom at? Yeah. Where's my sister? Where's my dad? And I just kept saying, the the thing that I did say that was so weird. I was like, please don't put a catheter in my dick. And the, the, the fireman said that to me when I got to the hospital. He's like, you didn't. The first thing you said was, please don't please put a don't catheter, put in, my catheter in my dick. Please don't put a catheter in my dick. I love that even in that moment, some part of you, the part of us that's that's just the part of all all men that's afraid of something being inserted into yeah. our dicks was that's like that's like functional. Even when the rest of your brain is not functional, there's some kind of was, lower state that takes over. Yeah. It's like, well, all I can do is make sure Let's, nobody puts anything inside please. my dick. But that thing, like that, that's I felt like that. Like it's it is a traumatizing. I I didn't drive for a very long time after that, and that's actually when I got the job at Apple after that happened. Um, I had surgery on my wrist. I remember that. You were always hang gliding to work all the time. <laughs> yeah, that was so strange. I, was, I, I wondered why. Af- but, I was very yeah. afraid to drive for a very long time. And then one day my cousin just was like, hey, why don't you drive me home? And I was like, all right. Then I got in the car. I was like, I'm driving. You got PTSD. Yeah, he helped me. But yeah, just seeing that moment. And I'm pretty sure, didn't you? You got into a car accident, right? Like you got into a yeah, pretty I- bad car accident. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking it's, about? The rush it, of it, adrenaline think- and then the subs- it subsides and suddenly you're yeah. like, you know that's 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 what happens and mm-hmm. i mean that's the last I, you yeah you just need i to gotta see, see it i want yeah to. i i don't i mean the last moments of this film is why he'll get nominated i don't know that he'll win i mm-hmm. mean he will be nominated if it's if he's not it's ridiculous because the last i mean it like i said the, it's like one of his best performance the rest of the movie he's great but those last 10 minutes yeah and like ronald said when he gets into that gurney and, and on the on the navy ship and like the girl's talking to him you know very calmly and and and, and he you see at that moment up until that point 
he has maintained himself so yeah. well mm-hmm. to be able to talk to these guys, to be able to remain calm, and to be able to think clearly to even drop suggestions to the guys in the Navy that he knows are watching them. And just to see him at that moment, he sits down, he's sitting up on his feet or not touching the floor, and he just and he just lets go. Mm-hmm. And it's just like he just breaks down. And it's just like that moment where everything wears off, where you finally can br- like li- like really breathe. Mm. And in a care, I mean, it's it was incredible. I mean, I I absolutely love that movie. And that that last, it just knocked me out. I mean, if anything, the last 15, 20 minutes of that movie are my favorite pieces of film of the year. And the movie as itself, it's on my tops, but I don't know if mm-hmm. it's my favorite. But yeah. the last fifteen twenty is my favorite experience at the movie theater all year. Wow. Do you find do you find that you cry more movies now than you did when you were younger? Definitely. I, I'll, it, I'll answer that too. Is it, yes. Is it because Definitely. is it because you you feel like more human? Like before, I never felt like a like I, life and death. With I, that, I like know the, more. Those I are all very real I've, things to me. Yeah. But once I, I do feel like I'm more plugged in to the human experience, and I think that that yeah. comes with the reflection and the you know being through whatever experiences. <laughs> I don't know if it's age it's crazy. so much as it's kind of like an emotional. Uh, maturity. I feel so much more now. Like it's like a a heightened sense of mm-hmm. things. Like I feel like like if a kid does something adorable in front of me, like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna cry, but like I feel it you more. Feel like it. I'm sure. like, wow, that's yeah. crazy for that kid to say what that kid just yeah. said. That's smart. Like you realize the value and stuff. Like, well, music does that to me too all the time. Yeah. Music. Like I'll I'll be singing a song and I won't even realize I get to a certain line that when I'm like trying to sing it in the car, I go like. Oh. <laughs> it's like oh wait <laughs> i was talking to my mom and she just said something really weird like i can't believe that you're an adult i was like <laughs> i was like losing it it's like no she mean i honestly thought you wouldn't live this long yeah it's like seeing a little person mm-hmm. and then seeing that little person become a big person mm-hmm. must be the weirdest thing in the world yeah. to hear that person sound a certain way and then i sound the way i do now must be weird to her, to I mean, see me walking around. She looks at me sometimes and just stares. She's like, looking at me like I'm a foreigner in her house. It's weird, man. I don't know. It's something, <laughs> I've, been thinking it's something I've been thinking You're about. You're not like sneaking in when she's asleep and... and no. no. Okay. No. That's, this is a Creeping part of my around. existential crisis. I'm having an existential crisis. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a terrible one, but it's, it's, it is a crisis nonetheless. Like, I'm, I'm feeling everything in a more intense... It's like I'm on peyote or something like, but I can't imagine if I was on that, on top of the way I feel. Are you having the kind of existential crisis someone might have if they, like, won uh, a big arena type blood sport and the government, <laughs> the government was trying to use them as a tool of propaganda? Yeah. But in, as they go around being used as a tool of propaganda, they find that there's a rebellion that's that's forming out it's in all the like districts. That, right? it's kind of like that, right? Is it is that kind of the sort of existential crisis you're having? Like that. Where you don't really know whether to fight to live or fight to save other people, your other friends that are apparently roped into another round of this arena-style blood yeah, sport. And then you realize the people that you, you may not have loved, you've learned to love. Yeah. In some way. Yeah. It's crazy. It is funny how that... You remind me of Katniss Everdeen in that way. <laughs> one person comes to mind when I think of Ronald James. Katniss Everdeen. Katniss Everdeen. If there ever was one, it's, yeah. it's her. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. And a physical resemblance, yeah. slightly. Yeah. Thank you, man. Mm-hmm. I do have a nice ass. Yeah, Lisa. you do. Man, I'm not going to talk about... So, well, yeah, I, would, I would say Jennifer that... Lawrence. Well, I, what I was going to say is maybe you should have gone, Steve. I was going to say this... Even though it's, I know it's a PG-13 movie that's not aimed at horny old men, mm-hmm. I thought this movie 
needed like one good ass shot in it and it never and quite it, the camera kept like the, the first cutting one right had before lots it whipped around yeah the first one had lots of them yeah. and the second one not so much just one maybe pe- gary ross is more of a horny old man than francis lawrence yeah. is is that his yeah. name francis yeah. lawrence it's just like so yeah we we saw uh hunger games <clears throat> catching fire mm-hmm. and i hadn't seen the first one until yesterday yesterday i i watched the first one on demand on on netflix and then i watched uh then I went to the theater and saw and saw the second one. So I feel like a couple of days ago I was like, "What is this Hunger Games thing that everyone's so excited about?" And now I'm like, oh, "Okay, I'm caught up." Next essentially, I haven't read the books, but I'm you know I'm caught up on the phenom. What do you guys think of the phenom nature of the whole thing? I mean, I'm all about it. I, yeah. I, I don't know the books. I don't have the books. I've never read the books, but I'm all about like a franchise. I, I love the idea of. Um, of a movie creating a star, which mm-hmm. obviously I'm referencing Jennifer Lawrence, um, and I just love the world creation. Like I, I, you know, not like I said, not having access to the books. I I saw the first one, and didn't really love it. I liked it. Um, mm. I had some issues with it. Seeing it a second time, I did enjoy it more. But I just, you know, there's been tons of movies that have come out since, you know, basically Harry Potter, mm-hmm. which I'm a huge fan of, um, that have tried to capitalize on this young adult genre. And a, pretty much all of them have failed, pretty much, except for Hunger Games. So it's kind of cool to see one catch on. Somehow Percy Jackson got a sequel, though, which I still... Yeah. It happens. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I like it. I mean, I think it's good. I think it's good for the audience it's primarily intended for. Mm-hmm. But obviously there's tons of spillover because these, these are films that... Uh, well, both of the Hunger Games films were critically received very well. Right. And yeah, obviously huge box office successes. And I mean, tons of people that I know, whether it's a teenager or a person 20 years older than me, want to see these films. So I think it just kind of grows, goes across the demo that it's targeting. And is that movie that a lot of people just want to see. You yeah. know, it, go, it goes beyond that genre that it was, you know, kind of created from, which yeah. is awesome. I mean, it's it's great because... I mean, we're talking three grown men talking about Catching Fire yeah. as our highlight epi- uh, feature for the episode. Yeah. That's just all you really need to know. I mean, it's not just because that's the only thing that we saw. But I think, I mean, I know I enjoyed it. And I think Ronald did. And I'm not, mm-hmm. you're, the, you're the wild card, John. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> but um, two out of three, we, we got it so far. I thought the second one, in some way, I thought the second one was better made than the first one. Mm-hmm. But I thought the first one told a better story. Like at okay. the end of the first one, I felt like, I had been set down at the end of a story and it was, it felt like a, a complete, I knew there was more to come, but it felt like a chapter and a story. Sure. And then the second one felt much more like it, that middle part yeah. disease that a lot of, you know, when, the, when you know there's a trilogy or a, or a franchise, that second movie, a lot of times, I, I just felt like the ending was kind of a what the fuck kind of feeling. Like it, it, ended are... in a, it ended in kind of a weird moment and in kind of a weird way. And I felt like if I'd had more of an emotional attachment to all of these characters, then that scene at the end of the second one where there's kind of a reveal, I think that would have hit me more. And I would have thought, oh, that was what the movie was building up to. And the rest of this is just, now let's get out and let's get to the credits. Catching Fire was a huge improvement just stylistically, visually. It's all up on the screen. The, the, the action is much more controlled. I thought that Gary Ross actually did a pretty good job. He was the director of the first one. I, I don't know much he's done except for Pleasantville. Yeah. But... um. I mean, I, he he was kind of an odd pick in a weird way. He felt like sort of the Chris Columbus st- <laughs> pick, you know? That's like, exactly what it like is. Like it's it's mm. a faithful. It's a director who doesn't have a lot of style, but is going to do a faithful and like well done, but not particularly exciting. Yeah. Uh, again, I keep saying style, but it's sort of a style-free movie. The first Hunger Games is. Yeah. So much about the second one was better. I just wish that at the end of it, I hadn't felt like okay, well, I guess I'm going to watch the next one. I wanted it to feel more like an ending. 
it, you know, to yeah. this. But but I also may have missed a line or two in that in that in the last ten minutes that would have explained some things that I, I like. I don't know if I'm really in that clear on what happened at the end. There there, there is, no. I definitely agree with that point. Is that the last like yeah. five minutes just happens, and there's definitely some questions that. I, like I kind of fill of, in of, the blank myself, but I mean, uh, if, if, like you said, if there's a line or two that are in there mm-hmm. to clarify it, I'd feel a lot better leaving the theater and not wondering, you yeah. know, like having not read the book or having to like nudge my friend that has like, so what, so is is that guy like, is he good? Or, yeah, you is know, he good like, or is he, uh, yeah. is, does, do these two characters being in the room together mean that this guy's good or that this guy's evil? Yeah, I'm not exactly. sure. And then what really happened, there was that scene with the... The electricity the and the wire, tree, yeah, all that felt true. a little okay. So I'm the, I wasn't the only one who felt no, that no, that I was kind of vague. Okay, Absolutely, because I really really fast and like it's it's just it's just it's just yeah I don't know mm-hmm. it's kind of a blur. Yeah, it really is. I can't even recall now thinking back having seen it a few weeks ago. I just know what, how the movie ended. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't know that that's a really good point because I wanted to make sure that somebody brought that up because as much as I really enjoyed the movie, <clears throat> that last piece beyond being a cliffhanger like a lot of these sequels are. Especially like you said, when you know it's a part of three or four movies that are coming out, um, the big climax of of what their plan is, um, for how much planning went into it, it happened so fast, and it almost seems like they messed up something. Yeah, it seems like yeah. it wasn't going to work, and then yeah. something else happened. Exactly. It and reminds me of like the like a, a season finale on Lost, where I would think that was cool, but I, don't, I really don't know what that was, right, and I would right, spend right. the summer wondering, oh, what was what you know what really happened, and oftentimes they wouldn't explain it. So I'm wondering <laughs> if the first five minutes of of Mockingjay or whatever it's going to be called yeah. is going to pick right up with this and explain, yeah, or if if so. the miss okay, so I yeah it's, that's, yeah it's got because that's it, the way the books the books don't really have any like oh this is backstory it's like boom right from the point where which is interesting so I don't know I I, I know how you feel like it it felt like that for me too only because I'd cons- I'd only had the first and the second move so i don't know what the fuck the third one's about well, i mean so. I, I, but i thought the things about it that worked for me were i mean we've already mentioned jennifer lawrence but she really i mean she, she can carry she's a movie good. i mean she's great she's a star she's great, she's great. Yeah. she really is um, and, and she's great at that type of role like is. she gets mentioned for almost any there's so many parts you know when there's all this dream casting when someone there's a big part and then they start talking about who could play this character she's one of those actors that comes up and i i don't go oh boy jennifer i mean Normally, I get tired of that, and I haven't gotten tired of her yet. And I wonder if there is going to be some kind of backlash against her at some point. But I think that there's still something very likable and down to earth about her that isn't fake. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't. You know, the way like Anne Hathaway, there was a little bit of an Anne Hathaway backlash. Ugh. Even people who think she's talented don't Ugh. want to like be trapped in an elevator yeah, with her. That's... But with Jennifer Lawrence, I'd be like, trap me in the elevator for a month. Please, I'm sure please. she's very interesting. Yeah. Um, man, I, I can't tell if Philip Seymour Hoffman is one of the greatest actors of all time. I think he is. Or one of the worst. Like, I it, think he is. It, is that but he does. He, does. he chooses so, to do something. You know, uh, I, I feel like he phoned this in. He's I, like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I didn't like him in this. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he yeah. was doing something very. Del- I actually liked what he did, but I, I did make notes about like his acting because I was like, he's playing like this gleeful sort of like. Then we'll kill her. I mean, there's yeah. this like. But I thought he was. I thought it was kind of controlled, and I enjoyed it. But I agree that. Well, let me put it this way. I think that he is joining the ranks of like Elizabeth Banks and Woody Harrelson really in like terms Elizabeth of like Banks doing is. what might be horrible overacting or might be good acting. I don't know. Like both of those characters are sort of fun and interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I enjoy both of those actors in the movie, but I felt like Philip Seymour Hoffman, it, it his, I mean, 
you could say phoned it in, but I thought much more like he's deliberately doing this kind of slow, weird, odd person where the delivery just felt like it was one more weird character in a movie full of weird I characters. I felt like he felt normal compared to everybody yeah. else. Like maybe yeah. he should have been more over the top. I, I felt like working on the side that, you know, basically replacing whatever, the you know, West what, Bentley. Bentley's character. Who did make more of an impression, oddly enough. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You know, I, even I, just his facial hair made more yeah. of an impression. Well, when you know, without getting, we'll, we'll stay away from the spoilers for the movie yeah. people, but... Uh, Without knowing where Philip Seymour Hoffman's character ends up in the end of this film, mm-hmm. you know, going up to the last half an hour of the movie, you're just, I just felt the impression of he's just, you know, he's got a plan for something. It's, it's for evil and it, mm-hmm. it's, it's very like he's just, you know, he's just talking with Donald Sutherland. Like, you know, it didn't, like, he didn't have any kind of impressive dress up. He didn't mm-hmm. have any specially yeah. done with his hair, you know, to be a part of the government, you know, or whatever, the, the capital. Like he looked kind of, you know. No, I agree with you that like, like he he, you know, he, 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 he he wouldn't agree to cut his hair. Basically, he wouldn't have the crazy <laughs> facial hair like everybody else had. I like, do think it's I'm funny that, do that that both of these movies have decided to show you that it's the future because people are wearing weird clothes and have really yeah, fucked right. up hair. But part of me says that's that's cool and that's. I mean, I don't know. I don't think that's really going to be the case. I think people stay with still a normal realm. But I do think that. That that shows the movie is like going all in with this concept and trying to build this world that is, you know, tries to be sort of realistic, but also works almost like a a fable or something. I mean, yeah. there is something. So it's like, I don't. I I found myself sometimes thinking, well, the I don't know how much I believe this scenario, but they're doing enough of a job of kind of breathing life into it that it's like it's not quite it's, it's not like Narnia or something like that, but yeah. it definitely feels like this is our world, but it's also a little bit tweaked and a little bit different yeah. and it's almost like it's got a uh, what's the word i'm looking for like a uh, i don't know if i said parable but it almost like that feeling where it's a it's a story that's got a message and sure. it's supposed to tell it's got a moral and yeah like a fairy tale essentially but uh it reminds me of like black mirror the idea that like it, black mirror did like the, the uk show did like a, it was like the future but one thing was different about mm-hmm. it like they changed one big thing and then kind of leave everything fairly normal so you didn't feel like what is this like this feels like really imbalanced right so i, I like that about it <clears throat> i don't know how i felt about um the the tone in this one was a lot more like fluffy mm-hmm. i guess i think i think it was kind of like the emotions were high while people were being murdered. I think that's another thing, too, that's a little interesting, too. There's a big difference between the way, like, the Harry Potter series and this series are, because this is kind of steeped in some sort of realism. Like, I guess the idea is, like, if if you get too crazy, the government will destroy you Mm -hmm. in some way. And that's a heavy concept. Well, there's clearly been some war that we don't know about that happened, and then there was the rebellion. So it's like, there's this backstory that, again, feels to me very very sketchy that it's hard for me to it's hard for me to imagine anybody in the real world really adopting this system or this system really working but and again if you accept the 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 like the what the one paragraph of text or something at the beginning of the first movie (laughs) as like setup and then you say all right this is the world we're in i think they do a good job of kind of filling out this world and i thought it was neat that the second movie was a was it was like a a season of a reality show. I mean, totally. it was like them yeah. saying, okay, this is the all-star season. Yep. You know, like, so in a sense, it's a little strange to say this movie is commenting on reality television. I don't think, I think it, it runs deeper than that, but it does follow, it does, it does seem to be saying something about our culture that if you imagine that, okay, 
reality television is going to keep on going and it becomes this other thing, it's not really predicting that because reality television is already, already kind there. of a sideshow. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's Absolutely. already sort of... So it's like, I don't think that our culture... It's hard to believe that our culture would be so into the spectacle of this that they would just... The morality would go away, but again, if you think of it as kind of a cautionary tale or a, or a, you know something slightly heightened, I think that the way that they play around with that idea of what it means to be chosen for this and what it means to fight and to know that you're looking at all these other people and that if you win, they all have to die. I mean, yeah, I think they do a good job of, of dealing with that on a character level, and Absolutely. I think that that's again maybe part of it. It's might be Katniss Everdeen as a character, but it might be Jennifer Lawrence as an actress that just makes that makes that work, uh, even when some of the stuff around her is kind of broad. I, I thought the first one was more brutal. Like that scene in the first one where they arrive at the cornucopia to get the weapons. That mm -hmm. scene is more brutal than anything yeah. else. In, and I don't think there's anything really in the second movie that's quite as brutal as that. I don't, like they don't have anybody getting ripped not, apart by not dogs. In the, not they in a battle, but when that guy just gets shot in front of everybody. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I was like, wow. Oh, that's, yeah. That was pretty crazy. When they're on the tour. Yeah, yeah. when they're on the tour. Well, that was the... crazy. And, and that guy, whoever that guy is, the the... It was the laser tag cops. The laser, the, the, the laser tag cops, they all wear helmets except yeah. for the one guy who doesn't wear a helmet just so you can see what an asshole he is. Don't you feel sometimes when you're watching a movie based on a book that there are certain things where you go, okay, if I was a reader of the book, this scene would probably mean a lot more to me. I'd <laughs> yeah. be like, oh, they got that oh, in. Yeah. But not knowing it, I felt like I'm, I still feel like I'm a little bit outside the kind of cultish fan base. But yeah. I think it's a neat story. And um, the main thing that disappointed me in the second movie was that they didn't repeat. They didn't, there was no further development of uh, Peta's weird uh, camouflaging powers from the first movie, based on cake decorating. <laughs> yeah. That was the dumbest thing <laughs> in that first movie. That's a weird connection. Well, it's just a weird thing when he like shows her he can do the camouflaging, and he's like, "I used to decorate cakes." And it's like, okay, well, that yeah. was a weird thing. Yeah. And then later, when she finds him, remember, and he's wounded, yeah. and he's laid and he down on the ground, like, and he has somehow managed to like emerges. intricately camouflage himself into rocks. Into and rocks. Like moss. He had that. He had that kit. That's the kind of thing that maybe plays on the page. I don't remember them. But then when you try to visualize it, it's so silly for it to be like, nope, it's me. He, he, he had the ability to camouflage, but I feel like they didn't really well it seems like that would take six hours it. and how would you do it to yourself when you're laying there because you're so you're wounded that you bleeding, can't run yeah. bleeding right. profusely it almost felt like somebody they had a, a a group of little kids and they were like what did you hate about the first movie and I'm like the Mikey <laughs> J's playing in the movie and they just made everything that like the 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 like fake dogs like the weird dogs they weren't in the book either they weren't the, no it was like it, it was a different sort of thing. They didn't emerge from the ground. It was weird the way they described them. There were animals, but the way they kind of made them, they were like these hybrid dinosaur dog things. Which yeah, they, they don't really explain yeah. it in the movie. And no, maybe maybe that needed a little more explanation, but that did feel kind of silly. But in the second one, I thought the... I mean, the effects looked so much better in the second one, right down to like the, the mandrels, the... When they get attacked, those things were looked great yeah. compared to how computery and bad the dogs looked in the in the previous movie you know like, i didn't like that at all yeah i didn't like the dogs is francis lawrence doing the remaining movies is that what i've heard do you know steve uh is he yeah directing I, th the next? I think he's on for mockingjay part one i mean they're, they're yeah. doing them in two parts they do they're that doing now the, they're which, doing which the is, third book in three which is what you gotta do you know you gotta milk it for all it's worth oh, i guess wow. so yeah he's doing he, he is doing part one i'm not sure about the second one though but i mean actually it looks like I'm just trying to pull it up real quick. It looks like he's doing part one. And I don't know, actually. It doesn't say who's there for part two. But I would assume if it does as well as this one's done, he, he'll probably be there. I, I definitely enjoy this one more. I mean, there's no doubt, mm -hmm. uh, personally. Um, 
But you know what I mean about just like the story itself. It's kind of hard to judge the where the story's going absolutely. based on that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think uh, one of the things I really liked a lot more about this one was that uh, I felt I, I don't know I don't know why, but I really like Peta's character, and I don't know that I'm like if you want to say Team Peta, Team mm-hmm. Gale, like you know mm-hmm. whatever. I just liked how. Um, it just seemed like a more like a more well-rounded character this time around. Like he was. It well, Gale just... hasn't really got a chance to do much yet. And I think that's a big difference too, isn't it? From the books, somebody's mm-hmm. told me that like, in the books, Gale's character isn't as big as like they're just friends. Really. There's mm-hmm. really not a lot of romance. Yeah, but I guess it's like kind of beefed up for the screen. But um, yeah, Gale. You know, you haven't seen a lot of him, but I'm getting the impression that you will. The way that this film ends. But uh, I don't know. I, I just really like Peta. I, I really like Josh Hutcherson's performance. I mean, he's nothing. I don't know. I don't think he's like anything. I don't know. Great, but I mean, the character just seemed a lot more well-rounded to me, and in his acceptance of what was there um, between them and mm-hmm. what he had in life, and like what he was going to ever be able to do, whether it was with the games, without the games, without Katniss or with Katniss, which is kind of like tragic. But I mean, I think the movie does a really good job of just planting little seeds of like, and especially with me because I have not read the books. Again, I don't know how it ends. It makes me wonder, like, what's going to happen with this character? What's going to happen with him, you know, mm-hmm. and her? Like, are they, is there something there? Can, can something grow out of this kind of forced yeah, is thing, it, you know? Is the story going towards something growing out of it, or is he, like, a tragic character? Exactly. I like I like that, that thought now being in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, in the first film, I didn't really feel that way. I feel like really kind of stressed. Well, in the first him. film, they almost played him as kind of, he was slightly more chumpy. Exactly. And, and he, felt, he felt a little bit like there was something kind of, like stalkery or clingy or exactly. something that just made it seem like she's not that into you. Just you know, uh, yeah, save your save your dignity kind of thing. But it, yeah, no, I think you're right. In the second one, they really showed how the situation that they're in has put him in this strange position where everybody knows and she knows that his feelings for her are real, are, yeah, and that as far as he knows and as far as anyone around them knows, her feelings for him are part of the pose that they're striking. So it's like. In the second movie, yeah, you, it's not so much like you feel sorry for him, but you sort of see him as someone with kind of nothing to lose in a weird kind of way. Yeah. And it, it does deepen that character. It does feel like the whole series has just kind of stepped up an entire level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Francis Lawrence did a, a, a great job in the film, and, and it looks great. I mean, it looks really good. And uh, and again, I'll say it. like I, I, love, I love movies that really kind of... And even though you don't have the backstory, like you were saying, John... The, this the world creations like I love seeing environments created. I love seeing the differentiation between the districts, and how much you're supposed to be able to mm-hmm. distinguish what one is 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 there for. Whether it's a mining district, or a crop district, or, or a district that has all the black people in it, or a district that has oh, yes. black people in it, <laughs> or the capital. I mean, yeah, whatever right. it might be, I think it's cool how they're kind of slowly, you know, kind of pulling out the zoom mm-hmm. on on what they're in District Twelve. Yeah, and, and the capital, which is really what the first film, you you know, you when they do this tour, you get to see a little more of what's going on and and the people in the area, and, and I they're think seeing that's it cool. too. Like you exactly. see through their eyes, that exactly. They're seeing, yeah. I mean, I definitely felt like a, when I was sitting down to watch Catching Fire, I caught myself realizing like, oh wait, I'm a Katniss Everdeen fan. Yeah, that yeah. I, exactly. I was sitting down yeah. to see like you this. Are. I was sitting down to see this cool character that I like and what she's gonna do, and she is interesting. And even though we focused on the the romantic triangle stuff, I like that the movie doesn't pin too much of the importance of what she goes through on this. It's like, sure. it's a sideline. And sure. I, I think it it works better that way to say that the, the human relationships that she has are kind of a sideline to this, to this crazy situation that she's in. But yeah. Yeah. Not to mention also the side thing is like, I'm, I'm always amazed by, and the same thing can be said for Harry Potter 
these young adult films that you, the ones that catch on at least and maybe not even young adult but like films like Lord of the Rings and some of these franchises the the type of actors and actresses that they attract to them yeah is it's crazy completely impressive Jeffrey Wright mm-hmm. yeah Jeffrey Wright that was crazy you know uh, Donald Sutherland Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. these are Oscar winning mm-hmm. actors or actresses and the next in Mockingjay I, I read that Julian, Julianne Moore is going to be in it mm-hmm. as oh, wow. uh, I think with the president of the rebellion or whatever but or no actually I don't know she's the president of something again I don't know the story for some um, reason when you said Julianne Moore I pictured her done up like uh, what's her name's character Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks, Banks. character. what's that character's name um God, I'm so good. Uh, Effie. Effie. Effie, yeah. Yeah. Um, Effie Trinket. Trinket. All the names. See, I enjoy. That's the kind of thing that I've heard so many people say the names that bug them in these movies. I like but that. I like the names. I like, I like that too. it feels, again, it's one of those things that makes it feel like this is slightly a fairy tale. This yeah. is like. You, she's she's created this world, yeah. you know? I like that Peter, Peter's name is Peter and not Peter. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. Like, yeah. when I read that, I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's cool. I thought it was cool. Also, I saw Lily Rabe is going to be in the next one. Okay. Ooh. Wow. Uh, I don't know if you watch American Horror Story, but she's um, been on the she's... seasons of that. Just great, great. It's going to be a good. Movie. I don't know. I'm excited. I, I'm. I, I just like how. I don't know. I know. I feel like I'm rambling, but I. I just really am always really impressed by. We've kind of rambled this week, Steve. <laughs> this has I, been a rambly episode. That's just episode. what we do. We just go <laughs> on these random things. But I don't know. I. I, I remember I was talking to my girlfriend about. These films and just like you know, the first one starts out and you have and you know you have Donald Sutherland, he's like the guy. He's he's the guy. Like he's the uh, he's the pedigree of that film. Stanley Tucci's in the film. He's definitely a respected actor. Elizabeth Banks, I like her, but you know she's an actress. She's not like the pedigree that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But then you get deeper into these movies and like by the third film in the series, you're gonna have like three or four Oscar-winning actors or actresses anchoring these films. Including Jennifer Lawrence at this point. Right, this is yeah. an Oscar-winning actress now. Well, like, yeah. and and a lot of those bigot names that you're talking about being brought in. Um, I, I should have said big. I think I said bigot names, but I didn't mean that. <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying anything about the these people <laughs> and their uh, personal beliefs. But uh, these big names are sort of secondary or third-tier characters, much like the Harry Potter films. Yeah. The way they rolled in every brilliant British actor exactly. of the last exactly century that at, was yeah. still alive, you know. And I think that yeah, you're right. It is. It is. It doesn't feel like stunt casting. It feels like just these are big movies and they're getting big talent. And I mean, you know, Donald Sutherland really does like he's played this character maybe a million times before, but I don't know that he's ever played this pure of a distillation <laughs> of it. He yeah. really is a chilling guy. And he is. um and I even though I kind of mentioned him a little earlier in terms of the the slight overacting and there's a little bit of a weird accent there too, but I I just love seeing Woody Harrelson in almost anything nowadays. Yeah. I just I keep realizing how much I like that guy. Yeah. I think he does a great job in that in that role. And Agreed. and again, there's a there's a bit of a reversal in this movie that makes his character even more interesting. So yeah, yeah. I, 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 I really liked Catching Fire. Yeah, it really surprised me how much I liked it, and uh, I actually I'll probably see it again soon. Just to I think so too. I want to see it. And it, that said too, like I would definitely check this movie out in theaters if you have if you haven't yeah. if you're one of the few who haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's big and it's loud and it's it's fun on the big screen too. Yeah, there's a lot of big stuff. Like pretty much every weekend now here on out. There's some huge, like in fact today when this episode drops, we've yeah. got you know the Hobbit is the the Desolation of Smaug is out, and then there's other things. The next week it keeps going. It, I don't think that Hunger Games is going to get lost in the shuffle of that, but I know yeah. for myself if I hadn't seen it yesterday, it may, I, yeah. I might have not seen it for a few weeks sure. because it would be hard to prioritize it over some of these other things. But now that I've seen it, yeah, I'm 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 definitely yeah. great movie. See it. I'm oh. Team Katniss. 
That's what so, I'm on. I'm, I'm, I'm on um, team as well. Also, I will fight you for her. John. Okay. Let's, if let's you, have our own Hunger Games for who, we should. who be gets amazing. Jennifer Lawrence. I'm sure she'd be fine with it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be yeah fine sure. With I'm it. sorry, guys. but um, <laughs> If you like that movie, you would also like Battle Royale. Uh, everybody, yeah. The movie that everybody says uh, the premise was stolen from. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Live! Exclamation point. I don't know if you ever... It's like a Russian... Is that just ru- advice or is that a movie? <laughs> it's a Russian roulette movie that becomes a tv show um, live yeah not live live i think it's live it, it's probably live and he's been pronouncing it this all i know i'm right? just kidding i'm yeah. just kidding. live or live i think it's live yeah. Yeah. um it could be both because they must live but, but it's Men- live as yeah. well right mm-hmm. eva mendez is in it oh you lost me you don't like eva mendez <laughs> oh she's come okay. on she's, she's okay she's great she's okay in the bed Ooh. i don't know what that was what happened we became 14 year olds that's the effect that jennifer lawrence has jennifer yeah. lawrence and eva Mendes. can't wait to see her in american hustle oh i know Ugh. she's not even she's the like star i don't care yeah. no i know is she a, is she a prosty in it no okay uh, she looks kind of prosty. I, don't, I don't think she's i don't actually i don't know but i she i, like I, I like think she's not but i don't yeah catching fire is obviously in theaters go see it if you have a chance uh among all these huge holiday movies coming out um, but yeah, I think all of us at least will recommend it uh, mm-hmm. to, 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 to see mm-hmm. put on your list. Anything else to yes. throw in, guys? Oh, I'm, Without uh, rambling even further. I don't have anything to say. Ramble Fest 2013 yeah. is over. <laughs> 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 all right, guys. Well, hit us up. Facebook.com slash movieshmovie.net, uh, which will soon... As we end this episode, I'm sure we will be discussing ways to improve that We're going to be improving the So in the new year, it's going gonna, it's gonna to surprise a lot of people. Um, We're doing crossed. some crowdsourcing, getting some opinions. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Three's a crowd, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Uh, but yeah, as always, guys, you've made our day. So thank you so much. Bye. Live, <laughs> live. <laughs>